talk, we talk, we talk Superman, and we know what's happening. We talk, we talk, we talk Superman, and we cover everything. Hello and welcome once again to the All-Star Superfan Podcast, the podcast that delves into any and all things Superman throughout the full 80-year legacy of the Man of Steel. I'm one of your hosts, Rob O'Connor. I'm joined once again by the Midlands Man of Tomorrow, the one and only Mr. Alan Burke. Uh, Alan, how are you doing tonight? I'm great, Rob. Uh, and I know I said it before and I, I keep saying it. I'm really excited. We have a great guest tonight. But every time we have another guest, uh, my excitement gets uh, gets more and more uh, increases every time. And my head is about to explode here today because I'm, I can't believe that we managed to get uh, this, this, this guest on, uh, on the podcast. It's fantastic. Alan is about to rise out of the water and walk on the water like <laughs> uh, he's completely weightless and then uses heat vision to kill a snake. Today, we are so honored <laughs> and exhilarated to be joined by a man known for being a man of few words, but I think he'll have a lot to say. Um, the legendary star of Superman 1 and Superman 2, General Zod's right-hand man, non himself, Mr. Jack O'Halloran. Welcome to the show, sir. Hey, it's my pleasure, believe me. It's great to have you here, Jack, even, even, if, it's just, even if it's just digitally uh, back on Irish shores. It's great to have you here with us tonight. Thank you so much. Brings a lot of good memories back. I'll tell you that. O'Halloran, O'Halloran is is such a uh, an Irish name. You you just off mic. You were telling us about your your connections there. It's incredible that you spent so so much time over here and know the country so well. Uh, when was the I last time? Been... When was the last time you were back here, Jack? Have you been here in the last couple uh, of years? Or has it been several a years ago. It's been a while. It's been a while since I since I've been over there. That's part of the reason why this is such a treat to get to speak to you tonight. Because um, back in 2017, there was a kind of a Superman panel um, with Terence and Sarah and yourself and Margot. And unfortunately, uh, both you and Margot uh, couldn't make it in the end. Um, but I, I traveled over and, and met with Terence and. Um, with uh with with sarah so i did i didn't think we'd, we'd i'd ever get to speak or we'd ever get to, to meet so it's a, it's a real it's a real um it's a real honor to meet you here tonight and, and we're so excited to speak with you so so jack can you can you take us back to um i suppose how did you start out in acting first of all yeah i, I was uh i was i was boxing and they um they came to me to do uh a couple pictures i i was up in boston and i was started my career i think it was like eight and oh or something and uh and they they came to boston in 66 to do the thomas crown affair with steve mcqueen oh, and uh steve and i became really good friends and uh they um wanted me to come down and he said you got to come down and get on the set bah, 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 bah. we're gonna bring you, you got to come back to hollywood uh, and i said no nah, i don't think so it's not not for me. No, no, you got to do this. And I said, ah. So I passed on that. And then I, I was uh, 1968, 69. I was, uh, I just knocked out the number two heavyweight in the world in Mexico. Wow. And Mexico, he was from Mexico in LA. And they offered me the Great White Hope, which was a huge picture in Hollywood with James Earl Jones. And uh, all I had to do was go back and sign the contract. And uh, and I said, I, I said, I'm looking to fight Muhammad Ali and you want me to give up boxing to go to do a movie. They, they wanted me to go to Spain for six months. And 
And I said, I don't think so, Pastor. Well, oh, no, my God, there's going to be some people very upset to put it together for you to go and do this. And I said, ah, I don't think so. So they, I passed again in McQueen and said, what is wrong with you? We're trying to get you out here in Hollywood. I remember leaving Fox and James Earl Jones was coming up the steps I was going down. And he stopped me and he said, you're Jack O'Hower. And I said, well, you're James Earl Jones. <laughs> he said, is it true what I just heard about you? And I said, well, depends on what you heard. He said, the biggest movie in Hollywood and you just told him to take it and stick it. And I said, well, if you want to look at it that way. So I got to shake your hand. I never met anybody that did that. You know, so we, we got a joke out of it and, and we became good friends. Then when I retired from boxing, they called me on the phone. I was in New Jersey and I had an agent in San Diego because I, I had lived in San Diego for the last period of time. And uh, my agent called, I did commercials and stuff for, I was California heavyweight champion. So I did a lot of commercials for Royal Crown Call and stuff like that. And she called me on the phone. She said, they want you to do a film. And I really think you should consider the film. I said, what film? She said, with Robert Mitchum called Farewell, My Lovely. Amazing. And I looked around where I was at and I said, you know, maybe it's time that I take a shot at this. So I went and I met the director up in New York and they, they flew me back to L.A. And we did a screen test with Harry, Harry Dean Stan. And uh, oh, wow. Mitchum saw the screen test. He said, it's either him or I don't do the movie. So I blame it all on Mitchum. Amazing. And what a great, what a great film. A real old school detective yeah. movie, a real P.I. Uh, it was a great film. I mean, he, uh, Robert was a great, if you were going to have a mentor in an industry, Robert was the best mentor you could ever have. I mean, he just took me by the and just said, you know, and he showed me so many things. That he didn't try to teach me how to act. He taught me about the industry. And, and told me the natural thing that I had going for me. You know, I remember asking him one time what the word star, you know, what's this star business? And he said, he said, it's a word called presence. Wow. You either have it or you don't. The camera either loves you or it doesn't. If you're going to have a mentor, boy, he was the guy. And he, and he was, and he just, you know, he, he, he loved what he did. And he was so good at it. We had, uh, um, Four Oscar winners on the crew. Wow. Yeah, John Alonzo was a cinematographer, won the Oscar for Chinatown. And we had um, Dean Telvaris, who did the sets for The Godfather. Amazing. Wow. And uh, we had a guy at the Westmores, where that were the biggest makeup people in the industry at the time. And the, and the special effects guy was an Oscar guy. And they all came and worked. He goes to Mitchell. And when you when you filmed that when that when that film came out when Farewell My Lovely came out did you start getting offers then regular offers after that? Yeah, I you know I I didn't even have an agent. I, I remember going to, when the movie came out and and they really the, the the company that distributed it didn't have the money that they should have had to, to really push it, but it did so well on its own. And and I said to Mitchum, I said, well, yeah, maybe it's time because I used to go to his house every day. Wow. And I said, maybe it's time that I get an agent. And he pointed to the phone book. Yeah. And I said, well, what is that? He said, you think if I'm going to tell you who to go to and the guy doesn't do the right thing, you're going to come back and yell at me? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so I wound up with a guy called Meyer Michigan, who was a great agent at they had Dreyfus and Lee Marvin. Um, and, and Richard said, couldn't get a better guy. I said, thanks for, thanks for the help. <laughs> but it, uh, yeah, and I the, the the first picture they came after me for was King Kong, 
Yes, we were going to ask you about that. That that that's yeah, right. uh, that, yeah. that that the nineteen seventy six King Kong, which is kind of um, it it's 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 revered among fans. I, I listened to a great episode of the, our friend uh, Zach Moore was asking about that specific movie. He did a great episode of his podcast, Franchise Fatigue, on uh, the nineteen seventy six King Kong, and he ma- he made a point that you know. Uh, it, it's been kind of reevaluated in recent years. And a lot of people see it as one of the better remakes of King Kong. So tell us a little bit about that. Oh, was, I'll tell you, we had a great, we had a great cast. I mean, you're talking Jeff Bridges and Charlie Gruden and, and uh, Jesse was, you knew she was going to be a star the day she walked on set. Yeah. And, and her and I, we became very good friends. Jesse was just a brilliant lady. And, you know, we had a lot of great, people in that were in the movie we had a great script we had a great cast but we had a a, a director who was drank too much oh. you know? <laughs> and i mean like i'll give you an instance we went to hawaii to shoot have you ever seen king kong you ever seen oh yeah yeah, yeah 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 okay you see the fog when we come through the fog when yeah. we find the island but well, we went to Kauai to shoot that scene you know, to come onto the island because it was, you know, Kauai was gorgeous. And and we were supposed to be there four days. We were there 34 days. Oh, jeepers. And we worked one day. I don't know if you understand filming. We worked one day. Now we're on location. And we were working on a Sunday. And we worked 16 hours. And we had seven straight meal penalties. That means that you're supposed to stop for lunch and the director decides, no, I'm going to get this shot. And so you skip, you go meal penalties, right? So we had seven straight meal penalties, never turned the camera over. Wow. Wow. And made so much money that day. It was amazing because you're, you're on like quadruple time on <laughs> Sunday, on location, seven straight meal penalties. And it was because he was trying to lay the fog, you know, for us to come through the boat on the, on, to find the island. And he was up there and brought his finger up. Well, yeah, I can do it. I can. And like he's a navigator, you know, like a seaman. <laughs> and the people over there are saying they're never going to get it. The winds are just the current winds are no good. It's going to blow. Every time you lay that smoke down, it's going to blow it away. Right. And that's surely what happened. Boy, every time they laid it down the fog, by the time we get ready to come through it, it was gone. So the film must we have wound gone. up shooting that shot in Malibu. Oh, the, film, the film must have gone vastly over budget. So did it? Well, the, the picture cost about thirty-six million. It should have cost sixteen million. Wow! Because they, they, because they, they had four producers. When when you got four producers on a set and three of them don't know the rest from their elbow, <laughs> then, you know. And every time you have to reshoot something, it costs you four times as much. Yeah. You know, to do it. Because famously, I think with that movie, that they they had a mechanical King Kong that they were trying to use, and it was this groundbreaking special effect. But then they they discovered and it cost all this money. But then they discovered that it wasn't really working, and they had to bring a guy in to to, well, to they wear never, the suit. The only time they ever had that monkey all together in one big monkey was the very end of the movie, when they brought it out at the at the very end, that, uh, when they had the big expo of them. That was the only time it was ever all together. Yeah. Before that, they used a hand, but the, and the guy uh, Rick that did the, the stunt, who was dressed as he was great. Rick Baker, great. was it? Rick Baker, yeah, he did a oh, great. Grace, Grace, uh, they, yeah. I mean, they they had you you saw 
he saw like they had Jesse sitting in the hand. Poor Jesse almost got killed one day. Okay. They had her. She was sitting in the hand when when you watch the movie, and Kong has her sitting in his hand, and he comes down with his finger and he's stroking her hair, you know, and stuff like that. Well, the the the, the wire in the finger snapped. And it fell down and hit her in the head. Oh, my God. I said, oh, my Christ, we almost lost a star. Jesus. <laughs> this but is Jessica so Jessica they, Lang you're talking about, Jim? Yeah, Jesse Lang. Yeah. Wow. And uh, it was just, it was, uh, it was comical, actually, because they, they kept, high drugs kept breaking and stuff. So they never really had the monkey together that much, you know, so they. And, and Jeff. Was, uh, Jeff Bridges seems like a cool guy. Did you spend much time with him or working with Jeff him? Jeff is a good guy. Jeff seems a very like good a really actor. cool guy. He's a very nice guy. In fact, everybody, Eddie Lauder, Charlie Grodin's hysterical. Charlie Grodin was a lot of fun. And we had we had a good time on the film. And we we really uh we had a, I mean we shot for like nine months. You know, we were doing the film for like nine months. In fact, it was one of the one of the mistakes I made in my career is that they they had six week period. They went to New York to shoot the New York stuff. And we were sitting in, and I was sitting at the beach waiting for them to come back so we could shoot the shots that we needed to finish the film. And they offered me, uh, I was supposed to do a picture with uh, Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder, Silver Street. Oh, wow. They wanted me to go up to Canada and do it. And I sure went. And I said, well, I'm sitting at the beach, man. What do I have to go to Canada for? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, but I should have done it. It was it was foolish because Wilder's a great actor and so is Pryor. Would have been a lot of fun. Is it true, Jack, that I read somewhere online? I don't know if it's true. It might be false. But is it true that you once um, turned down a, a, a part in the James Bond series? Oh, yeah. They, oh. Was, they, they came, Cubby and his son came to L.A. to you know, for asking me to please do the bond role. And I was sitting around the corner at a restaurant with Mitchum. It was his birthday. And so we're getting him quite pissed. And we're sitting there chatting. And I said, Rob, I got to go around the corner to, to Michigan's office because they, you know, Cubby Broccoli and his son are sitting there waiting for me. And he said, for what? And I said, they want me to do this James Bond movie. He said, you read the script? I said, yeah. He said, do you like it? I said, no. He said, well, what, what kind of role? I said, I, I don't want to get stuck playing these big, dumb guys, you know? Um, and I said, I just didn't feel, he said, then tell them to go to hell. Forget about it. So, I think I know which James I, Bond movie this was. Just, <laughs> just to clarify, it, are we? Are you talking about the, 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 part, the character of Jaws? Is that the character yeah, that character you were offered? That's incredible. Yeah. No, nah, I didn't like it. It was, you know, I, I, I was just signed to do a picture called March or Die yeah. with Gene Hackman and Catherine Deneuve. And, uh, and when we went to Spain and Morocco to do that film, well, that's when they offered a Superman. Just just so you know, that that's a Moonraker poster right behind me. So to find <laughs> out that you were nearly in The Spy Who Loved Me is breaking my heart right well, now. I, you know, I, I turned down six movies. Richard Keel did all six of them and made his career. Wow, um, I one of my uh, I I love eighties movies and especially eighties cop movies. And I was just happened to be sitting down there recently watching uh, one on TV, and you were one of the main villains in it. It was Dragnet with Tom Hanks and oh, uh, Danny Ackroyd. We had a lot of fun doing it. That was how, a, how did that come about? What was that like? Is that Dragnet I, I, was well? Mankiewicz 
was involved with Superman. Yeah. And he directed uh, Dragnet. So he, he, he called me right away. He said, I got a great role. Will you do it for me? And I said, yeah, let me see the script. And I read it and I said, yeah, for sure, positively. Because I liked it. And, and it was, you know, Danny Aykroyd is just terrific. I mean, he was, uh, and it was a breakout movie for Tom Hanks, you know. Yeah. So, and, and again, you had, we had a great cast in, in, in the film. You know, Christopher just, Plummer. Uh, Christopher Plummer was in it. It was great. We, we, had, we had a lot of fun shooting it. And Danny, Danny, you could watch Dragnet 50 times and you still wouldn't hear all the one-liners that Danny <laughs> threw out. I mean, he, he's just a funny, the guy's hysterical. He's amazing. And he walked around with, with a thing in his ear about Jack Webb talking in his ear all the time. So he could get it down, the character down correctly, you know? Joel so Slade, was, yeah. yeah. Jack and Webb he, obviously was, played the character in the original Dragnet series. Is that right? In the series, yeah. 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 Yeah, Joe Friday, and in the continuity of the Friday, film, yeah. he's he's Joe Friday's. Uh, it's the same continuity. He's his nephew, so yeah. it's yeah, it's it's such. For anybody who hasn't checked out Dragnet, I highly recommend it. It's a it's a great oh, 80s it's a car great movie. film. It's yeah. really really did, did very well. You know, we had a lot of fun doing it. And, and poor Harry Morgan. Harry Morgan was uh, in the early stages of Alzheimer's disease. Oh God! And we lost him a couple of times on the set. He would wander off, man. Fine, Harry, where is he at? Oh my God! But That's he, incredible. But he performed. He I mean he did his he did his scenes and everything, but then he would get he wander away. You know, like working Robert Mitchum, uh, Danny Aykroyd, Tom Hanks, Christopher Plummer. I mean, what a, what an array of of great actors. Well, I did a picture called "The Baltimore Bullet" with Jimmy Coburn, wow, and uh, Omar Sharif, and uh, it was Bruce Boxleitner's first picture. That's, that's, that was a great picture. That was a pool shooting picture. We we had a lot of fun doing that. And then how did how did um did you have any just to segue into the Superman stuff? Did you have much experience with the character of Superman? Did you read the comics or anything as a kid or anything like that? Or no, I you know I read the script they sent me to and Hackman and I were down in Spain and they flew us up to meet Donner, and um, we had a conversation with Richard Donner. And, and he said to me, you know, uh, how do you feel about playing a, a, a mute guy? And I said, I, I got to tell you something. I said, I embrace it because Jackie Gleason was a friend of mine. And he won an Oscar for a picture called Gigo. Playing a deaf, dumb mute, you know? Yeah. I said, if I ever got a role that, that I could use body language and facial expressions, I would, I would, I would grasp it. And what better role than not? Because you had Terrence was a vicious general. Mm. Sarah was a man-eater. Somebody had to relate to the kids, you know, because it's a big child's audience. Yeah. So I said, well, I'm going to play this big brutish guy like a child. And, and learning how to work his eyes and, and you know, being agilent and odd. And in the, in the comic, in the story of Nan, Nan was a, a brilliant scientist. Yeah, that's that right. They lobotomized. Yeah. When they were when they were going trying to throw these guys in jail, so I said, you know, what a great role for me to grab and 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 do with body language and 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 it worked out quite well actually. And was it your idea to to play him as a kind of a, a childlike character? Was that your? Oh yeah, that was my idea. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I said to Donner, I said, I said, you know, when I when I was explaining to him about yeah Jackie Gleason, I always said, 
He said, wow, what a great idea. I said, yeah, play this guy. Like I said, somebody's got to be late to the young audience. Yeah. So let me play this guy like a, like a, a this big brutish guy, like a child with child mannerisms. And can, can and I ask, he, can I ask Jack, um, because I've read the original Mario Puzo script. I, w- was that a script that you were ever presented with? Because I think in his original script, there was four Kryptonian villains. And then it became three later on. I think maybe when Tom Mankiewicz stepped in. Did you read that original script? Or, or what, at what point did you kind of jump on? I, uh, I, read, I read the Puzo script. Yeah, and, uh, and Nan was uh, the, the character Nan what jumped out at me because of them being lobotomized, you know, mm-hmm. and how we, how would they, how would they use him in reaction? You know, how would he blend, how would he blend in with the villains? And then I, they knew they were going to cut it down to three villains. So there'd be more interaction between Zod, Ursa and Nan. So I, um, when I talked to Donner and we, we discussed it and Mankiewicz, Tom Mankiewicz, a brilliant guy. So was yeah. Donner. Donner was, Donna was a great director. No, I mean, it was so, if they would have let Donner finish two, he'd have done three, four, five, and six. It would have been a totally yeah. different franchise. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the Salkines were so greedy. Well, let's just to get in on that, just ask your opinion. Um, you, you know, you, Superman one, Superman two, and then obviously we, we all know what happened that you know, Richard, Richard uh, Donner we were was shooting, fired. We, we actually were shooting both pictures at the same time, yeah, yeah. And we all we got into doing two so much that they were they had to deliver one hmm. and they were going to be late because we were so hung up shooting two. And we had shot like 86% of two. And, uh, and Salkine said, well, we got to finish one because we have to deliver it. So, the, and I'll tell you a funny story. They had, there's a, a screening room at Pinewood. And Warner Brothers said to Alexander, well, he said, you know, you're late giving us one. Maybe we won't give you the option to pick up two. And Alexander said, whoa, he said, does that mean I can bring other distributors in to look? And they said, yeah, they thought they were being smart. Yeah, yeah, no problem. They said, so I was in the screening room and he sat everybody in the screening room and there were distributors from all different places. And he showed the fight scene of us battling and they couldn't get their money, the rubber bands off their money fast enough. The brothers <laughs> jumped right up, you know. And it, uh, so, of course, Warner Brothers picked up two and he got a lot more money for one than he was supposed to get. Mm. The um, it, it was such a such a dynamic film, you know. Yeah. Uh, and we did technology that they're just today doing LED on LED. We did that. We did that with the flying shots. You know, the reason why the flying shots work so well is because we shot this division on this division. We yeah. had this big seventy foot screen with three pole arms coming out of it with body molds at the end of the pole arm, you know? Well, they had to, and, they had to invent, they had to invent, they literally had to invent the technology to, to make well, it was the called Zorn Zubik, It was called Zorn Zoptic. Zorn, Zorn Zoptic. And in fact, they bankrupt the company, wow. Salkinds, because they, they, they milked these poor guys out so bad. And, and then, but they, they, they shot, they shot us into the film. Now, we're laid in these body molds and we had motions. We could do this and this and turn and stuff. And, 
we did all the flying shots and the fight scenes and stuff. With, and it was very long and tedious because it took time to do each one, but they shot us right in the film. The film was being shot behind us and we yeah. were just shot into it. So there was no wires and it, and it looked so great because we're flying under under bridges, around buildings yeah. and, and everything. And people were saying, wow, how did they do that? And it, was, it wasn't CGI. It, it was, was horrendously uncomfortable, I'd imagine. Well, it was, you know, Sarah, it hurt Sarah's back. And I, I think I did something to my back at the very end. But when we first got up there, they, they had us 70 feet above the ground and we're looking down at the concrete floor. Wow. And I said, uh, hey, guys, what happens if one of these molds breaks? Oh, no, no, that's impossible. That can't break. I said, oh, okay. So I took my leg and I just banged it and cracked the mold. Oh my God, they had a heart attack. Now, now we had air cushions put down below us just in case something would happen. Uh, Sarah was panic stricken. She, oh my God. And just, uh, just to, I just want to get back to um, what we're talking about in relation to uh, the salkines and that, Jack. What was it like as someone who was literally there on set? What was it like when Richard Lester came on and replaced um, well, Richard Donner? They, we were, we were filming. And all of a sudden, Lester's popped up, and he was standing in the in the wings, you know. And I said, "Who the hell is that guy?" And, and somebody said, "Well, that's Richard Lester." And the Saul clients owe him a picture. And I said, "Really?" And the, so there was no talk of him shooting too. It was just that he was there and friends of the Saul clients and stuff. But you could tell he yeah. was getting into the mood of it, you know. And then they come up with this bull that they didn't want to pay. That Donner didn't want to pay Donner. Donner was spending too much money, and what a load of crap that was. And they, in fact, they, I tell you, they were having dinner. Marlon Brando, first 14 days of filming was on Brando. That's how they got the money. They had to get Brando on film. So the first 14 days were shot, and they weren't even shot at Pinewood, they were shot at Shepherdton. Mm. And because they set up over Shepherdton, they, this is the th stuff, kind of stuff that they did that was really wrong. Yeah, Pinewood had a house crew. Yeah, so yeah. when they went to Shepherd and they had to bring a crew on to shoot the Brando scenes, and their Brando's working maybe eight days, seven, eight days, and they're having dinner. The Salkinds and Pierce Bangler and Richard Donner, and uh, Brando said, "Geez, you know, guys." We're doing really hard. This is long days and stuff. He said, maybe we should take a day off. You're really pressing this thing. You know, day after day like this. He said, maybe we ought to have a day off. And, and Donner said, well, yeah, I guess we're... And they're kicking Donner under the table. And Pierce Banger said, oh, no, Marlon, we, we can't really... No, no. He said, it would cost us far too much money to take a day off. And Marlon sat there. You got to know Marlon. Marlon was an unbelievable guy. Marlon sat there and he's shaking his head. And he said, uh, what's it cost for a day shooting? And they said, oh, God, like $350,000. And he sat there and he pondered a little bit. And he looked up and he said, you know what? Let's take a day off. I'll pay. Wow. <laughs> $350,000 in 1977. Well, he got paid $4 million to do the picture right in yeah. front. They and paid him $4 million in gold. Did you know? To do the movie. Did you know, you know he Marlon? worked 11 days? <laughs> Did you know Marlon Brando before the movie? No, I didn't know I knew of him. I, did, I, I, I didn't know him. he couldn't wait to meet me because part of my history where I come from was my father 
was Italian, and he was one of the most prolific Italians that ever came into America. So a guy called Albert Anastasia, he was a head of a, he had his own family, the Anastasia family became the Gambino family when my father was killed. Is this, is, is this Murder, Inc., is it? Yeah, my father was the head of a Murder, Inc. Wow. And Brando knew who I was, knew my father. He could not wait to meet me. He, and Brent, and Mitchum said, Brando's coming down. He said, go down there and say hello. I said, hello. Go down and say hello to him with the first day that he comes. So I went down to see him. And I'm standing there. They, he was surrounded by the media people. And he saw me. And he just broke through the media people. And he ran over. Hey, get up. I'm dying to meet you. And I said, oh, that's amazing. I said, I come down to say hello. And Robert Mitchum says hello. And he said, yeah, that bum told me you were going to be here. <laughs> and we got to become very good friends. And he was, uh, Brando was, uh, Brando was like Mitchum and a few other actors that I worked with, uh, Omar Sharif, the same way. You know, when they came on the set, you could hear a pin drop. Yeah. People respect, and, and, and they did something that these young kids don't do today. You know, when they come on the set, they said hello to everybody in the morning and they say good night to everybody at night. Because it's like a family, you know, mm, you're yeah. shooting with a crew. That's a, it's like a family. You're going to be working together a long time. And Brando had that charisma about him. I mean, he was, I went down to see him work one day. I went down, Cause I used to get out and talk for a long time. And we only did, we had the, the, the beginning of Superman one. We did those shots and they were That's all right. with him, yeah. you know? So I went down to watch him work one day and Brando, had cue cards everywhere. I mean, everywhere. And he's up on a set and I saw him do something I never saw an actor do before. Because he was into a shot and the camera guy said, oops, got a noise, man. We got to we gotta come back and do this again. Brandon said, like hell, you fix that camera. And <laughs> tell me when it's fixed. And he turned around his back to the camera and the guy said a couple of minutes later, oh, okay, we got it done. And he turned back into the shot and he finished the shot and he came down off the set. And I said to him, uh, I said, I guess, you know, a lot of people be a little bit nervous asking this, but what the hell, what's with the cue cards? I said, are you so bored with the industry that you got to have, you know, no, 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 Jack. He said, I, I started this with mutiny on the bounty. And he said, I, I didn't want the camera to think that I studied the script all night. I wanted to think that I, you know, like I wanted to make it look like I was just, bringing the words out of the air, you know? And I looked at him and I said, you're full of shit. And he laughed and he shook his head and he was a great Shakespearean actor, right? So he sat there and he ripped off a half dozen parables of Shakespeare. I mean, just magnificently. And he looked at me and he said, that you must know word for word. This shit piece of cake. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> That's incredible. I love That's that. definitely the Irishman in you, Jack, to, to have the balls <laughs> to go a, up and say that to the biggest yeah. star on the planet. He was great. <laughs> he was, uh, I, Marlon and I got on very well. I, I, I quite liked him a lot. He was, he was, a, but I, you know, I, I got on with, and, and when you stop and look at Superman, you see all those people like in, in the, in Superman one, when they had all those people from Krypton saying guilty, guilty, mm. guilty. You're talking about some of the biggest Irish uh, English actors yeah. there ever were. Yeah. You know, Trevor Howard and you know, there were some super actors doing a doing a cameo. So the cast of Superman was brilliant. My God, yeah. they, they 
but even Terence, even even working with Terence Stamp. I mean, Terence Stamp was a Terrence huge was, actor at the time. Terence was was the first picture that Terence did. He had went to India. You know, Terence's Terence's brother owned the group The Who. Yeah, he was the manager for The Who. So Terence and Terence was probably one of the finest English actors that there was, and a good-looking kid, man. You know, so he was in the sex, drugs, and rock and roll. You know what I mean? And he was getting really strung out. And he went to India and he got rolfed and he got into, I mean, he even had an Indian name. He was, wow. he was really getting very spiritual over there. Wow. And they sent him a telegram to do Superman, ask him to do it. And they brought him back and he was, it was the first picture he did with this new spirituality about him. You know, he was a whole different character. I mean, I would have probably liked the wild turns, but I, you know, he was he was just a he was just such a dynamic actor, just a talented, talented guy, boy. You know, he was uh and Sarah was you knew Sarah was gonna be become a star because she was she was young, but she was she was gorgeous. Sarah yeah. Sarah Douglas was absolutely gorgeous. You know, and she was just such a nice kid and she really loved the industry. And Donner brought something out of him. It's like Christopher. Christopher was a 170-pound kid soaking wet when he first came on the set. And they took him to bodybuild him. And I grabbed the guy that played uh, Darth Vader. David uh, Prowse. David Prowse, yeah. Prowse. Nice guy. And I said to David, I said, you don't want to pump this guy up. You want to build him in definition. There was a guy called Steve Reeves, who was Mr. America, who did the Hercules pictures. And he was defined perfectly, his body. He only weighed like 195 pounds, and he was Mr. America. I said, you want, because Christopher was vain, and I said, he won't wear anything underneath those costumes. You will, so you want to give him a body that looks real. Yeah. And that's what they did. He put 20 pounds on him, and he uh, and, and they cut him defined, and he looked terrific, you know? Yeah. And Donner, Donner got a performance from that young man that nobody would have ever gotten. Donner, Donner just, I mean, there will never be another Superman like Christopher. Christopher yeah. had had the Clark Kent Superman switch over so well down. Yeah. He did it so well. It was terrific. You know? Okay. Can I ask you, Jack, did, is there any one scene that you had with Christopher Reeve that, that stands out to you? I, we did so many scenes together. I mean, he, I, I like, you know, everybody talks about the argument that uh, you, you had this terrible argument with Christopher Reeve. I said, you know, you people really stretch things to a way out of shape. You know, you're you're working with people for three years. Yeah. And if you don't have some type of a fracas somewhere in three years time, boy, that's pretty damn good. You know what mm. I mean? Um, and we used to there, there's a, a restaurant in Dublin in, uh, in London. Um, down on Beecham Place, the San Lorenzo, which was was owned by a friend of mine, an Italian guy. It was the first Italian restaurant in London, actually. And I used to get tout the cast to go in there to eat. The food was brilliant. And so everybody, we used to go there and have dinner at night, you know. And, and I used to eat my because I lived right down at, at Cadogan Square down the street from it. And so I used to sit up there and eat dinner every night. And I knew them. They were good friends of mine. They were from, they were from Italy. And uh, Christopher's in there one night 
shooting his mouth off, talking about me and New York and my father and my mafia connections and all this other jazz. And uh, the owner called me on the phone. He said, Jack, he said, how well do you know this kid, Christopher Reed? I said, well, we, we work together. I said, you know, other than that, I don't know him that well. Why? And he told me what he was saying. And I said, oh, my God. So next morning, I went to work, and I grabbed Christopher, took him in a room, and I said, you know, how well do you know me, Sunshine? He said, well, I know you around here, and I hear stories about you. And I said, well, what gives you the right to talk about my father in public in, in a restaurant? And I said, well, you know, you, you, there's a lot of stories about you and all that shit. I said, well, let me tell you what. Next time you mention my name, say Mr. For, you know, if yeah. you ever talk about my father again, you won't be finishing this movie. And I made it quite clear to him that it was not a, it was inappropriate of what he did. And he agreed, oh, I'm sorry about enough. So now we walk out into the hallway where all the people are and everybody's buzzing around and all of a sudden he becomes Superman. You can't talk to me that way. Who do you think you are? <laughs> I said, wait a minute. What the hell? So I grabbed him and I had him against the wall. And I was just getting ready to punch him. And Donner jumped up in my ear and he said, not in the face, Jack, not in the face. <laughs> and that's what I did. I laughed and I dropped on the floor and I said, you know, kid, you don't know how lucky you are. And I walked away. And, you know, that's incredible. And we talked after that. I mean, it wasn't like you couldn't, I mean, you're working so close, you have to, but I just never put up with any of his bullshit. Yeah. And was, was, was like, I mean, we all hold Christopher Reeve on this huge pedestal now because he was such an amazing Superman. And he's like you said, he's Clark Kent, he's Superman. We, we, our generation and generations after us have all grown up with and him. And rightfully as so. Let me tell and you. Rightly he, so. He's, he's fantastic. What Alan another... is trying to ask is, did it all go to his head a little bit, do you think? <laughs> well, it went totally to his head. I mean, I mean, he walked around like Superman. That was the problem. And, you know, uh, Doug McClure was a young kid when he came on the picture. Yeah. Yeah. Kid that yeah. played Jimmy Olsen. And he loved playing music. And he was, you know, he's always sitting in his room strumming his guitar. And Chris, you know, and he became friendly with Chris. And Chris went in his, in his room one day and, and, and uh, Mark said, Man, you got to listen to this new song I got. And he said, and, and he looked at the kid and he said, Don't talk to me unless you talk like Jimmy Olsen. I mean, he Method. fractured him. He said, you know, uh, the kids said, whoa, what, what do you, what, what, you know, it really broke his heart that you, you would say that to him. And, and he did stuff like that, you know. But I suppose he, uh, to put it, to put it in context, like it's easy for us to forget now when you watch those movies that Christopher was only, what, 25, 26 at the time? Oh, it was, that was the first big movie he ever did. Yeah. yeah prior he, to, prior to Superman, all he ever did was Love of Life, a soapbox, and, and he did one play holding a spear with Catherine Hepburn. I mean, he, he was a Juilliard graduate, you know, yeah. his mother was a very wealthy woman in the state of New Jersey. And, and did you ever, did you ever speak to him after the accident, Jack? Did you ever oh, have yeah. any contact he with him afterwards? He became a really nice guy after that. You know, he, he got involved with, with the foundations and stuff and he got involved a lot with spinal foundations and all. Yeah, that's right. You know, he, uh, he was very close to, uh, what's the actor who did Mork and Mindy? Uh, uh, Robin, Robin, Robin Williams. Robert Williams. They went to Juilliard together. That's right. And he's very close to Robert Williams. And Robin Williams, you know, went through all of his injury with him and stuff like that. And he was very, very, very helpful for him. And, and he just became a whole different, you know, he had a great wife. You know, I mean, uh, he, so his first marriage didn't last very long. And when he married his second wife, she was just a star. She was, yeah, she was amazing. A gorgeous woman. 
And she but, stayed by him on his whole injury deal, man. She was a trip. She died right after him. It was like amazing, you know. I felt bad for the kids. It was, uh, because it's great to hear someone again, like when when someone is held on such a I look, I love Christopher Reeve. I do. I love his the the films, the Superman films. I've read his book and everything, and, and everything he did for you know people with 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 that that paralysis infliction and and everything. Oh yeah. Those Once he got when he got hurt, he became a different person. He, he gave back to but a lot of people. It's so great to hear someone speak about him as if he, you know, speak about the real person and about what the re- what he was like as an actual human being, you know, and day to day to work with and that it's it's so refreshing to hear someone actually speak about what he was like as a, you know, 25, 26 year old kid. Yeah, he was, you know, he was a talented guy, man. He, you know, but Donner, Donner's the one that brought that out. He would have never got a performance. Any other director would have never, you know, he, uh, Richard Donner created Superman and Clark Kent. And I want to I want to ask Jack because you uh, have the unusual experience of having worked with two very different Superman directors. We had Richard Donner; he obviously made uh, Superman one and the majority of Superman two. But the version of Superman two that we grew up with was primarily Richard Lester's film, and it is a very different film. And I want to ask, like, have you ever seen the Donner cut? Yeah, I, I have seen the Donner cut. Yeah, I've I've seen. Well, what do you think of it? I, I, I love I, I, I love all the um, put it this way. I love the scenes that you shot. I don't like how they necessarily put them together as the Donner cut. I think uh, I think there's possibly a better way they could have done that. But I think the scenes as they existed, as Richard Donner shot them, are obviously much better. Um, well, they, and they didn't have they, he didn't have the ending. Well, they did they, because they, they were patching things together in the beginning. The beginning scenes they used the screen test mm. that uh, Margot did when they when they, when they to put the beginning together with the, uh, Niagara Falls and all that stuff. Yeah, uh, but uh, I liked the Donner cut much better myself. But you know, Richard Lester working with Lester and working with Donner is like night and day. Yeah, it's like working with a TV director and working with a real film director. You know, uh, and Richard Lester was a laboratory guy in other words he'd shoot a lot of stuff and then he'd go in the lab and he'd create what he wanted to create he didn't create it on a set he created yeah. it in the laboratory you know and that was right. the and that was for me he put too much comedy in it yeah 100 yeah. you know, absolutely it, it didn't need to be there a lot of people uh you're probably familiar with this. There, there is an iconic scene in Richard Lester's Superman 2 where Superman removes his S shield and throws it at you. Oh, and- stupidest thing. <laughs> it was the dumbest goddamn scene. I mean, there was no cause for that whatsoever. But even worse than that, if you, if you look at the film and they're in Paris, shooting yes. the Eiffel Tower scene, right? And it was... They they went over there as 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 a, a company called Annie Oakley or something because they were trying to sneak in and out of Paris. Yeah? Right. And uh, so they're they're at the Eiffel Tower, and it's pissing rain. And he could have waited a day to wait for the sun to come out, you know, to shoot the thing properly. And if you look at the film the way it is right now, the Superman too, and they're at the Eiffel Tower, you see spots hitting the cop's shirt. Yeah, and the and the cop car behind him, the windshield wipers are going <laughs> like that, you know, because it was raining. 
and they, I mean, stuff like that to me was unnecessary. Yeah. You could have waited a day and shot things in a proper, you know what I mean? And thank God Margo's as good an actress as she is. And she, you know, she made the scenes work extremely well, sneaking up the elevator and stuff like that, you know, uh, but the the, the whole Paris thing was, uh, I mean, he he tried to make, he made comedy out of things that didn't deserve to have comedy. It was a, did the mood uh, change? Did the mood change on the set, Jack? When well, I, I wasn't going to go back. I mean, I blame Christopher for what happened because all Christopher Reeve would have had to do is say to the salt times, "No Donner, no me." And to show you how foolish they were, you know, Superman two, the, the Lester cut. Mm-hmm. Where was Brando? Yeah, and we shot all those scenes. They're in the Donner cut. Yeah. They wouldn't pay him, he isn't it? They didn't want to pay Brando the points. They already paid him to do the film, but they owed him points if they showed if they had Brando in two, they would have had to pay him the points. Exactly. They didn't want to pay him the points. These are the residuals from the box Brando office. out of a movie. Yeah, yeah, and like that by removing Brando from Superman two, what what Richard Lester effectively did was he ripped the heart out of the movie, because the whole premise of the movie was the fact that that Superman, that Clark Kent would go back to the fortress and that, that Jor-El, Marlon's character, would basically sacrifice himself in order to rectify his son's mistake. And by... Which in the Donner cut, those scenes are there. Yeah, and they're incredible. Oh, to, to, I mean, to Brando, you're talking Brando here. You yeah. Know? How yeah. do you cut Marlon Brando out of a movie? It's ridiculous. Yeah. You know what I'm and, saying? And what, and Gene, what, what was the mood like in those reshoots? It, it must have been quite odd coming back and doing a movie that you'd you'd pretty well, much I, shot. You know, I, me myself, I, I wasn't going to go back, and I said they they called me and they said you got to come back, man. You got we you can't finish it. You got to come back. And so I went back, and you know, and, and Hackman never went back. No, they used Hackman to stunt over, did they? Lester. Huh? I think they used a, a stand-in for some double. of these scenes. Yeah, well, yeah. They, well, they had all the shots. Hackman shots were done by by the facial shots were done by by Donner, and, and there was some there were some walkaway shots that they used the double, and the, all you saw was the back of Lex Luthor. And they had to change; they had to get someone to do his voice. And I I, I yeah. never noticed as a kid, but watching it now, you can tell from a mile away. Oh, that it's positively! Not I mean, Gene Hackman's Gene Hackman. You know what yeah, I mean? yeah. And, and you're talking about a great actor, you know. And, and it was you- just you know it's it's just that how do you how do you change, allow someone, you're talking about, a good, and, and the proof of the pudding comes with Superman 3, was a piece of shit. <laughs> that's the Irishman, that that's the Irishman in you again, Jack, coming out, you're so honest. <laughs> oh, Jesus, I'll tell you something, you know, it was shite, right down, down the street, you know. <laughs> but they, when they did 4, 4 was diabolical, and 4 was done by Cannon, Warner yeah. Brothers didn't even do it, and they let Christopher write the script, you know, and it was just, it was terrible. I mean, my God. What way do you think the series would have gone if Richard Donner had there? finished two? Oh, my heavens. Would have, we would have come back. Do you yeah. think? Oh, yeah. Well, they we didn't die at the end. We were no. There were scenes shot of us being taken off jail. Yeah. Put in a vehicle. So I've got a, uh, 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 a script that I, I want to do. And because this hologram stuff works so well, you know, Mm-hmm. I want to do a, another Superman movie and bring Christopher Reeve back and the three villains back. 
Yeah. Okay. But we're going to, we have a great storyline where there's, 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 there's another planet on the other side of the universe. That's a sister planet to Krypton. And okay. Jarrell's family lives on this planet and they're much more advanced technology wise. Like they could appear anywhere in the world in seconds, you know, and, uh, they have great technology. So they come into the jail and they get us out of jail and they change our mindset and they reverse my lobotomy and non speaks kneels on before non. <laughs> and and the, the three villains become cohorts of Superman. You know how much, do you, do you know how big that movie would be? My God. You brought Christopher back and, yeah, we, and we did this. We did this technology, and then the three villains become partners with Christopher in, in defending Earth. Whew, what a great! You could do, you could do seven movies right in a row. Boom, boom, boom. And and, and so you're thinking, you, you, you Terrence Stamp, Sarah Douglas, all back with Christopher Reeve. It would be a CGI oh, yeah. Christopher Reeve. I'd I'd yeah. watch that definitely. So so, did you feel like as if if you had come back for other sequels, that none might have been. Um, reformed he might have become a good guy later on he might have been an ally of superman's well i don't know whether they what, what they would have done i'm telling you what we want to do mm. i have a storyline that we're we're, we're 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 proposing it yeah you know and, and marvel's taken over so much of hollywood that i think we may get in the door with this and if we do and we don't yeah. want their money i don't want warner brothers money they can distribute it we've got the money to do it and there's so many people that are so keen I mean, yeah. do you realize how big the Superman base is? Absolutely, do you yeah. Know, do you know how big this movie would be to see Christopher Reeve come back and have the three villains come back as good guys? And 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 yeah. tell me this much, Jack, that there is there is a comic book series running now, Superman seventy eight. Uh, have have you seen that? Have you read it? it it's set in the world of the movies, and uh, they're kind of continuing that storyline. Have Have you had a chance to read that yet, or or check it oh, out? I haven't seen it. No. Is yes. non is non in that yet, Alan? He probably he's not he's not in it yet. But like that, the 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 um, I'm trying to think of the artist's name. I think it's Wilfredo Torres, and he. He like it's the likeness of Christopher Reeve and the likeness of Gene Hackman and the likeness of of all of all the characters so far. Now Azad and 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 uh, Ursa not haven't appeared yet, but I, I can only imagine it's a matter of time before they're at least yeah. referenced or, or seen in some capacity, and that would be amazing because the love that fans like us have for that film franchise, especially those first two films, even though the second one is flawed as a result of of the of the contributions of Esther or whatever. Oh, it's is, still still a good movie. They're it's unbelievable. Absolutely. They they have yeah. lasted. It's forty three years since the first movie came out, and they are loved in a way that the oh, there's movies, children today that watch it like they did when it was first come out. I mean. My, I, daughter yeah, my amazing. daughter my daughter is I'm, two years of age and she yeah. sits down on the couch and she will watch the opening credits of superman 2 where it shows the flashbacks from the first film with yeah, that yeah. unbelievable score uh, by john williams and oh, yeah, at two years terrific. of age she is mesmerized by it running around with a red cape and that that the, the, that film franchise especially those first two films will live on long past we're all gone oh um, yeah i, they, I, they, I they, agree i mean I'll tell you the uh, one of the funniest things. The first time I went to a Comic Con, you know, yeah, doing a Comic Con, and 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 these these kids came up, and they and they and they approached me and and, and they said something to me, and I answered in the back, and they said, "My God, he can actually talk." 
<laughs> Amazing. Um, just before we finish up, um, Jack, just one question. I, I, I just wonder myself, and I, I'd have yeah. to ask you, if, if I had met you at, at the Comic-Con back in, in London, I would have asked you this question. And it's just a question I have from my own, from my own knowledge. I was just wondering, what was it like sitting down in the theater and seeing that movie for the, those movies for the first time and hearing that incredible score for the first time and seeing your name, those amazing, amazing credits where your name just shoots up onto that, yeah. onto that. What was that like? Was that, was that amazing or was it well, a surreal was, moment? You know, I'll tell you, it's funny. When you work on a film, in the first 10 days of working, you know whether a film is going to be good or bad. And Superman, you knew was going to be something unbelievable. Yeah. Because of Donner. I mean, mm -hmm. the way that he was doing it, the way that they, and, and the fact of what they were, what they were looking to do. And, 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 the, and the harmony, I mean, we had a great cast. You know, we had a lot of fun people on the picture, you know, with, uh, with Valerie, Valerie Prime was a hoot. Can I can I ask Jack? And I, I know you've touched on this a little bit. Um, obviously, you know, Superman 1978 set the mold for kind of a whole industry that was going to come. You know, Batman came along 10 years later. And then ever since then, we've just had superhero after superhero. And we've had multiple Superman movies since then. Um, can I get your thoughts on those, you know, the, 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 the more recent Supermans? Like, have you, have you seen them? Do you they have any thoughts? They just keep getting on? darker and darker, don't they? They yeah, get darker they and darker, you know? The, yeah. the, how do you have Superman fighting Batman to the death? And, you know, <laughs> how do you have Superman going around and killing people and stuff? That's not what Superman's about. Nope, you know? no. They, they just keep getting darker, and I, and I, I shake my head, and I, I, don't, I can't even watch them. You've nailed it. You've you've absolutely nailed it. And like I said earlier on, I can sit my daughter down to watch those those classic those movies that you made. But I can't sit her down and let her watch Superman pummel Batman into. Oh, its I steam. wouldn't even begin Not to let a child watch that. No. Yeah, it's it's no. too it, dark. They, they're so dark. It just you know it's kind of frightening, and that's why it would be so refreshing to bring Christopher back and bring yeah. the all American way back and, and yeah. do you know and do the films the way we did the first two. You know. I was actually when we combat all these villains coming from different planets, put them in jail, not about killing them, stick them killed. in jail, send I'd them back that. to their own planet. You know, when we watched, we were just speaking of the, the um, Richard Donner cut when it's amazing how when with, with a couple of extra scenes and a couple of edits like that, that those scenes where both you and Sarah and, and Terrence um, break into the, the White House and Superman, too. It's a lot darker in the Richard Donner cut. Like it's it's a lot more threatening and a lot more sinister than it was in the than it came across in the Richard Lester version. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. You see, you see Terrence with the machine gun and kind of shooting the machine gun at guys and stuff, and it it feels a lot more sinister as compared to the way it came out with Richard Lester. I thought. Well, it was uh, like realer. Yeah. You know? uh, Terrence was a vicious general. There's no yeah. two ways about it. You know what I mean? Um, and the way that the, the way the whole way that it ended down where Superman, how he tricked us in losing our powers. And yeah. and when he grabs, turns his hand and crushes it, it's great such scene. a great scene. It is so great. You know, the reaction of turns face, you know, <laughs> it's so brilliant. You know what I mean? And the crunch and here of I the go hand. To fly at him and, 
And I go, whoa, <laughs> I fall into this abyss, you know? Yeah, Jack, just, just, just can you do that voice for us? Just, just that little noise you made there. Because one of my, my favorite memories of watching Superman 2 as a kid was all the, the little noises Nan made when he's using his heat. <laughs> That's 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 checked off the bucket list. <laughs> this is incredible. I can't believe I'm sitting in my in my kitchen talking to, to Jack O'Halloran. Jack, it's been an absolute pleasure and an honor to speak with you this evening. Um, we've had so much fun. Is is there anything that you would like to plug before we go? Anything you want to promote? Anything coming up that you'd like people Do you have to know any about? Any appearances? I've, written or... I've written a book called Family Legacy, which is going to be which is pretty good. And we're getting ready to shoot the miniseries, and it's going to be great. It's uh. It's all about New York and my father and, and, and that world. And, uh, and we're going to tell the truth about a lot of things. Okay. And it's, it's, um, it's going to be, people are going to be quite intrigued with it. It's going to be very good. And is, is that yeah, this wanna, year or next year? Yeah, next year we'll be starting to shoot it in about the next four months. Then we got a little picture we're doing called Red River in Nevada, which is, which is really a great, it's a horror picture with a great Faust twist. Doesn't have all the real blood and gore. It's got like that Faust twist to it. It's like, like a psychology twist. It's really kind of a neat. And I'm going to do a lead role in that. It's going to be. We'd have a lot of fun doing it. Excellent. Getting so ready to go. No, no retirement. Show. No retirement in sight for for Jack O'Halloran. No, no. You got to. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I can't. I want to come to Ireland. I'm dying to do this picture. I should have done it. I wrote the script when I did King Kong, back oh, in wow. the 70s. And uh, I mean, Mitchum was going to do it with me originally. He was going to play Jack McPhillips. Uh, I had written scenes just for him. So it's a, uh, and probably get Daniel Day Lewis and a few people involved. And it's a great story that should be told and should be done. Well, when you do come to Ireland, make sure that we're the first people you hit up and uh, we'll bring 100%. you to all the, all, all, all the best pubs. Ah, oh, Jesus, I could take it to a few of myself now, you know. Sure, <laughs> I know how like to wander true. down the street there, son. You never know. <laughs> Jack O'Halloran, you're an absolute gentleman. Thank you so much for coming on All-Star Superfan. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Mind yourself. Slaunta. Take care, Jack. Eat, eat the wind at your back, fellas. Slaunta, you know? <laughs> slaunta. <laughs> so, Rob, Jack O'Halloran. Wow. What some incredible stories there! I, I my mind is still spinning to be honest with you with some of the insights into the into the Christopher Reeve movies and the the insights into his relationship with Chris and what Chris was like on the set. You know, back in the day, you know, you, like I said to to Jack, there, you forget that you know at the end of the day he's he's an, he was a normal guy. You know, he was fallible like all of us. You know, um, we hold him we we hold him on such a high pedestal, and he 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 was a, a truly great uh, human being, a, a great actor, and a great. A philanthropist and you know what he accomplished after his accident was you know you you can't you you can't take anything away from the man in, in terms of that but we're all human at the end of the day sometimes we're hard to work with <laughs> yeah i mean yeah I, I i found it amazing to listen to jack and you know he, he had a way of telling stories that really brought you back onto the set of these movies and you know not just superman but when he was describing king kong and the director not being able to get the fog to work properly and like I could, I could actually picture myself on that set looking around at people going is this ever gonna fucking happen <laughs> like <laughs> and then you know with, with christopher reeve like i i've always i've always thought he was an amazing man i've always thought you know he 
he, he, obviously an amazing Superman, an amazing actor, and clearly a great, um, you know, philanthropist, as you say. But, you know, you do get the vibe that he was obviously a very serious actor. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes those kinds of thespians rub people the wrong way. And I'm not surprised to hear that he did. And I, and I, think, I, I, I think it's very refreshing to hear stories. It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't mean that he's any less of a man or any less nope. of a, an actor or that he did, you know, just means he's human. It just means he's human. And it's just so much more refreshing to hear stories like that because it gives you the full texture of the experience of making those movies rather than just hearing that everybody was brilliant and amazing. All the time. And I think Christopher in his later years would have admitted that he was a bit of an ass, you know, yeah. in his younger days, I think he would have, I think he would have uh, looked back and kind of acknowledged that in his, in his more mature years. Um, but it was just what I couldn't, uh, I couldn't wrap my head around. I mean, we were talking and he was mentioning Bob, but Bob is Robert Mitchum and Steve, yeah. but Steve is Steve McQueen. And, and, and Jesse is Jessica Lang. <laughs> like what is going on here? I was like, I was there. I was like, I'm looking, around my kitchen as we're recording this I'm like what is what is happening in my life here that I'm sitting here talking to non himself I mean we we're too young a podcast we having such great guests and having you know like the, the these people like JM and Oliver Harper who've come on and and um and Jack now Jack O'Halloran I mean you know they're coming on for the love of of the work and their love of the of the the, the work that they did at the time and the, for the character and the and the material and just to talk about something that they are proud of and what an honor it is to, to facilitate that i'm you know I, I i couldn't be i couldn't be happier yeah and it, it just it just goes to show again that like superman is just this great flag for to to, to fly that brings people together and there's so many stories that can be told from all the different avenues the character has been on and yeah, no, it, it's it's amazing, and I, I I hadn't realized kind of just the, the, the sheer amount of legends that had uh, crossed Jack Halloran's path in you know throughout his career, and the amount of stories he has. Where it it, it, it was staggering. I, I I really really enjoyed listening to him. I could have listened to him for another three hours to be honest. Yeah, and absolutely. honestly. You know his his pitch for a Superman movie not a million miles away from something I'd watch. So I, yeah, you know. or even in, like I said, even even in that animated form, if they you know I would love to see a Christopher Reeve animated uh, Superman movie with Zod and and Non and Ursa and and uh, Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor. Yeah. you know something like that would be amazing. I'd be I'd be thrilled to see it in the comic books. You know, it's I have to say my favorite part and it's it's my personal favorite part of the whole episode that we recorded and unfortunately none of the listeners and none of the super fans are will have seen it was your facial expression when you learned that he was up for jaws in the james bond movies (laughs) (laughs) i the the listeners don't know because this is a podcast but i i have a moonraker poster right behind me and there's (laughs) several james bond books and dvds and things in in my office here and uh it was like that scene in the mask where he turns into the dog and his mouth drops and his tongue rolls out (laughs) (laughs) well my 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 favorite part of that chat was uh hearing uh jack o'holler and do the famous zon uh famous non noises <laughs> which uh that that was a real treat and hearing him say that the cellophane s scene was was a piece of shit i thought that was really a piece funny. of shit yeah I, I was going to say it was just in the most recent uh, this, uh superman 78 comic but i said i, I wouldn't i wouldn't bring that up yeah. <laughs> that they had included it um yeah we're 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 really gonna to have to do ourselves to to be chad as a guest he was he was superb and i'd love to have him back on again in the future yeah because- absolutely and like I said in the in the podcast, it, it must be the Irish the Irishman in him because he, he was just so blunt and so honest. Um, it was it was a breath of fresh air to be honest. 
It was awesome. Um, so, so yeah, thank you so much, uh, Mr. Jack O'Halloran. Once again, we'd like to remind you, the listeners, you can like us on Facebook at All Star Superfan. You can follow us on Instagram, All Star Superfan as well. Follow us on Twitter at All Star Superpod. Please uh, do get in touch. Let us know your thoughts and feelings on all of the exciting topics and the outrageous stories uh, Jack discussed with us on tonight's episode. Let us know, are you a fan of uh, Farewell My Lovely, maybe, or King Kong 1976? Of course you're a fan of Superman 1978. Do you wish Jack had played Jaws? Tell us all these things and more. Uh, we'd love to hear the from Bond you. The Bond villain, not the shark. The sh- yeah. <laughs> Let's <laughs> clarify that. The Bond villain, boats? not the shark. <laughs> Everybody, stay safe, stay super, and remember to always look up. Take care. Bye-bye.